Welcome everyone to week 12 of our PA High School Football Report podcast. I'm Nebia Sides, the high school sports editor of Penn Live, Brian Lender. Brian, how you doing this week? Nebby, I'm hanging in there. We had another week where, as we uh, record this, we're right in the mix of playoff high school football. Mm-hmm. Uh, exciting time. You know, a lot of teams have seen their season come to an end, and that's kind of going to carry us into what we're going to talk about this week more so than actual playoffs that are going on. But, you know, the mid-pin coaches this week, Nebby, they dropped their all-star picks for their divisions. I've seen that. And, uh, yeah, I think it would be, you know, neat for us just to talk about some of these guys. And, you know, some of these guys aren't playing anymore. Right. Might even played their last high school game. Um, just kind of run through some of the picks to talk about some of the guys who st- stand out to us. What do you think, Ned? I think that's a good idea. And, you know, shout out to, you know, Stilton, who won their second district title against the lone Catholic back-to-back in a row. And shout out to Harrisburg, who's playing a district title game this weekend coming up against Wilson. So they're definitely going to shut the city down this Saturday. Hope to be there in attendance and watching the game as a fan. So let's dig into it, Brian. Again, welcome back to the 12th week of our PA High School Football Report podcast. I'm Nebia Sides here with my high school sports editor, Brian Linder. Brian, let them know what we'll be talking about this week. Well, you know, Nebby, like we said, you know, uh, we, we're, we're, as we record this again, we're in, we're in the midst of the playoffs. We got some teams moving through, and it's an exciting week for a lot of kids because the mid-pin coaches released their uh, all-star picks for each division. Um, so we're going to take a look at those real quick and talk about some of those guys and the seasons they've had, and, and how we feel about the picks too. And I think we'll start off with the uh, with the capital, Nevy. Um, you know, we have Alex Irby, Steelers quarterback, and Joey Minky is uh, co-offensive. Joey Minky from Bowling Springs, their running back, is co-offensive MVP. And uh, Middletown's Tajay Brody, mm-hmm. uh, defensive end, uh, and Bowling Springs safety Carson Garvey is co-defensive MVP. First, Nevy, I gotta tell you. Mm. Not a big fan of co-MVPs, man. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this. If you were to choose one MVP from the Capitol, who would that be for you? I, I think it's tough. Look, I mean, if you look at it, both of, all four of these kids have had great seasons. And Carson Garvey, you look at Carson Garvey. We'll start with defense real quick. Okay. Tajay Brody has been a kid who has produced and produced defense again, uh, you know, pretty much since he was a freshman from, from Middletown. He's had a great career there. Um, he'll end up in college somewhere, and he had to do a lot of things this season besides just play defense. Um, you know, he had to run the rock for him some and, and make some plays. More he has in past years in offense. So he's certainly deserving. And right. then Carson Garvey. Carson Garvey is a kid, you know, Bowling Springs was not a good football team three or four years ago. Right. And he helped them turn it around. And, you know, I talked to Brad Zell, who got coach of the year in this division. He was voted on by Spears uh, as coach of the year. Uh, you know, about Carson. And he said, look, Carson, you know, is kind of the quarterback back there for us at safety. He calls, kind of sets up our defense. Mm-hmm. So both of them, you know, I'm not going to sit here and argue that both of them aren't deserving. Um, but at the same time, I'm just a fan of pick one. You know, if we come down, there's got to be two. Let's sit down and let's hash it out. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And let's figure out who deserves it more. And I know it can be tough. But I think sometimes you got to make tough decisions. And, you know, you look up at the, at the offensive MVPs, right, Nebby? Right. You know Alex Irby, big arm, led him to a state title last year. Had a, another great season as a sophomore. Um, and then, again, Joey Minky is kind of like similar to Carson Garvey. Mm-hmm. The kid has uh, been all over the place, right? right. Um, you know, he, he's, he's helped them turn it around, kind of spark their offense. Mm-hmm. But he's a, good, he's a good linebacker, too. So I think both of those are deserving as well. Uh, you know, and when we, when we do our 
all-star team at the end of the season. We're going to sit down and we're going to have to make tough decisions like this. But I'm just saying, come on, guys. Let's just pick one guy. Let him get the love. And we're going to, you know, those other kids are going to be on the – whoever you pick, the other kid's going to be on your first team all-star team. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm always a fan of going with one. They went with two on each side. So you get four MVPs here. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think about those guys, man? I think everything you said, you brought up a lot of great points. Joey Menke played an extremely pivotal role on his team all year long. I feel like Tajay Brody um, was more of an important component for his team and played a big impact and and role on his team. But when I think of it overall, I, I look at a kid like Alex Irving, you know, who's a sophomore, just came off of another district title win, still a very young player and a lot of room for growth. But he's, you know, exceeded expectations all season long, breaking school records as only, what, a 15, 16-year-old. So I look at that, and, you know, it's kind of hard to overlook. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the co-MVPs either, but my perspective on it is if I had to choose one, I'd definitely go with Alex Irby for the for the top pick of the mid-pen capital. See, and, and I, I think you can make valid arguments for all four of those guys, like I said. And I understand it. that makes it tough. But, you know, at the end of the season – Let's sit down. Let's figure it out. That's just, that's just what I think there. But yeah. let's move on a little bit beyond the the MVP, the MVP talk here. Um, a couple other guys that really stuck out to me on the first teams. Uh, you know, Connor Black made it first team tight end and linebacker. You know, I don't want to start out this podcast by complaining a ton, and I'm not complaining about Connor Black. <laughs> I right. want to point that out, too, as well. we got a bunch of kids who make it as – a first-team tight end, a first-team linebacker, first-team wide receiver, first-team DB, an mm-hmm. honorable mention kick returner. Let's just put the guys in the spot. You know, right. we got kids who are making like seven, seven-time all-stars on one team, right? And they and they're great players, and we can tell people that without, and, and maybe get some other kids who are deserving mm-hmm. name up higher on the list without without uh, making a kid a seven-time all-star on one team. It just seems a little funny to me. Well, now that being said, mm-hmm. not not being said. Connor Black was a heck of a heck of a football player for Big Spring this year. Right. One of the top tackle guys in the mid-pan. He made some big plays at tight end. You got to see him play, make a couple big plays, I think, in the playoffs. I did. So he was a kid that we probably didn't – you know, when you look at Big Spring, Dylan Wakefield ran for over 1,200 yards. Ethan Eisenberg come up big. He maybe didn't get in the headlines as much as maybe he should have, right? I mean, because he was – he was a big-time player for them. Extremely. He was an extremely big-time player. I think in the regular season alone, Brian, he had 90-plus tackles. I, I believe it was 95 for Big Spring. Um, over 10 TFLs, like 12 or 13, correct me if I'm wrong. And he also had interceptions. He had two to three interceptions. So it's just like a kid like him didn't really get the the recognition I feel like he deserved, um, only because his team wasn't as much on the radar as other teams in the capital were. But they still had a phenomenal season. I saw them, you know, play their last game of the season. Um, they lost up there uh, to Lampeter Peter Strasburg. Um, but, you know, you got to tip your hat to a kid like that who's one of those humble beasts, you know. You know, again, I think he did his best work at linebacker. He was a first-team linebacker. But, uh, you know, uh, you look at – I think it was the Fleetwood game. Mm-hmm. Um, Fleetwood or was it Wiser? It was Wiser. They played Wiser. I always confuse Fleetwood and Wiser only because Tanner Maddox and Logan Logan Clitch, the Wiser quarterback, you know, they're both going to college, both good quarterbacks. And for some reason in my head, mm-hmm. I get them mixed up like that. But they play they play Wiser, and uh, I think, you know, one of the first plays of that game, he had a 60-yard touchdown catch from um, Ethan Eisenberg. 
Um, so he showed, man, he can get it done. I don't think, you know, Big Spring won a playoff game. Uh, that was the first time for these kids really having any kind of success like that since I've been here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I don't think you're there without Connor Black. You know, I don't think. At all. Yeah. So, Connor, if you listen to this, we're going to give you the love here. We, You know, and we did, you know, he was in stores and stuff, but, yeah. you know, he had and, a great season. And shout out to Dylan Wakefield, too, man. I think they don't get it done without him. He's been like their main catalyst offensively. That's that's my guy right there. <laughs> yeah. Funny thing, you know, I did the feature on him going into uh, into their last game there. And, uh, you know, Dylan wasn't talking a lot, so I asked him like a softball question. And you don't really like to ask questions like that as a reporter, but I said, I was just trying to get him to talk. So Dylan, I was just trying to get you to talk, but right. he gave a great answer and it was funny and it led us down a whole, a whole path. But I said, so like, you know, do you watch, you know, NFL and who do you model your game after? And, and he was like, oh man, I don't watch football like that. He's like, you know, and I don't really model my game after anyone. He's like, I just kind of do what I do because, you know, he's like, I just kind of do what I do. And that doesn't involve a whole lot of moves or a whole lot of speed. <laughs> and so Brown, that was hilarious. I believe him because even when you talk to him, right, he's so humble, he's so modest, very soft spoken. Yeah. But watching him play, it's like he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of juke moves or counter moves. It's just head on, like he's he's running down His whole the, game. Yeah, old school power type back, and he went for over twelve hundred yards. He's been a good football player for them, Nebby, since I've been there. Even through some of their struggles a couple years ago, uh, but you know he got a lot bigger. I think he had like twenty pounds. He became an old school kind of straight on power type back for them, uh, you know. And and uh, the other running back there, Nebby, I know you got some guys you want to mention here. Was Minky, right? Yeah. And again, the funny thing about Minky is, is you know, I did a story on him earlier in the season. He checks into the, his first game. Bowling Springs is at Middletown, mm-hmm. and this is what Middletown. They had some bad, bad dudes a couple years ago. Now, okay, they made they made it a couple state titles. And, they, and Bowling Springs, again, wasn't very good, and they were beating them up. And it's funny because their running back got hurt, got knocked out. Middletown was blowing them out. They run Minky in there, and they think they're running back short because he's so little at a the time. They didn't mm-hmm. even realize they, they – they thought they were a guy short in the huddle. They didn't see him. Right. And you go from that to here, and he's had two really great seasons for them, both sides of the ball. Bowling Springs is going to play for a district three title against Wild Missing. They're going to be underdog Saturday. You know, we're filming this going into that. I mean, and uh, they're not there if Joey Minky doesn't show up the like he has the last two years. At all. I mean, a kid like Joey Minky has over 900-plus rushing yards on the season. You know, he's a dog. Um, and shout-out to Middletown for staying in the game with Wild Missing. I didn't really think it would be that close of a game. I was kind of tuned in while I was at the Steel High District title championship game win. But, um, yeah, I definitely feel like Boiling Springs – has a lot of gas still left in the tank and they can upset while missing if, you know, they give Joey that ball and execute their offense the way they've been doing all season long. Definitely. There's a couple other kids I want to mention real quick. Uh, Christian Doy, mm. Camp Hill. Camp Hill didn't have the greatest season. He had a pretty darn good season. When you looked up on end of, you know, Friday nights, maybe, uh, you know, if you looked up when we did those mid-pins top performances and stuff, uh-huh. he didn't just show up at receiver. You know, he would have like, four catches for like 88 yards and a touchdown or two touchdowns. But he showed up, you know, on defense. He'd have like 10 or 11 tackles. And he's he's not a big guy, and they would play him up in the box. He showed up all the time for Camp Hill, win or lose, and filled up stat sheet on both sides of the ball. I think he's a kid who really kind of played his heart out for them. And it was good. He got a first-team wide receiver slot from the coaches there. I think that was really deserving and a good pick by them. Very. Christian Doy is an athlete, you know. Um, if I'm not mistaken – 
when I first started here with Penn Live too, you had me doing baseball and softball. And Christian Joy's a great baseball player as well. So shout out to him. He's definitely an athlete, very versatile and very just stern. You know, when you watch him play, he means business. He doesn't back down from anyone. Uh, a couple more here, just quickly. Tyrone Moore makes first team. That was a given. You know, yeah. I think it was a point in the season where he was averaging like, at one point, about midway through the season, I think he was averaging close to 40 yards of reception, mm. which is insane. But still, I needed that from him, especially early in the year. Uh, when you lose a kid like a Damian Hammonds who, you know, helped really play the key role in them winning the state title, when you lose Makai Flowers to transfer, right. they had to have people step up and catch the ball for Alex Sherby. Tyrone Moore has done a great job of that this year. So I was good to see. And then, uh, you know, I'll also say Andrew Irby Jr. was a first-team uh, pick by coaches on the offensive and defensive lines. He's a kid we hadn't talked a ton about either. Had a really nice year on the line on both sides for them. Uh, he's a college prospect. I think he had an Army offer coming into the season. He's a guy I think you might see get a few more offers too down the road. Anybody else stand out for you, Nubby? Um, you hit the head. You hit the nail on the head. Tyrone Moore, I just wanted to touch bases with him again. You know, he led the, the mid-pen capital all year long in receiving yards. I feel like he averaged 20 yards uh, a reception, you know. The kid was just that good um, and had over 1,100 receiving yards. So, shout out to Tyrone and that still high offense and they're definitely going to do some big things, I feel like, and shake up in the state tournament. They definitely are a state title contender with the way they've been playing. Uh, two more things in the Mipping Capital that really stuck out to me, and we'll move on on our coach's all-star picks there. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Pryor made as a first-team defensive back. Um, he's he's not the biggest guy in the world. If you go back to the state championship, I feel like uh, he was getting picked on by Janelle a little bit in that game. Um, he was outsized, and they were doing some things to match him up. And uh, they were they were hitting against him. And then all of a sudden, he just kept – and he got a big interception return, took it to the house. Um, and I think he's got that in him, that little bit of perseverance where, you know, he's going to stick around. He's not the biggest guy, but he's going to stick around. He's going to fight for you. You witnessed some of that uh, over on College Hill. You know, he, he, you know, the playoff game Saturday, he fumbles, uh, comes right back, ends up like 120 yards rushing, uh, a couple of touchdowns. He wasn't even their starting running back at the beginning of the year. He's filled in there for them, became a really key player on offense, two down the stretch, over a 1,000 yards. So, still high is probably not, you know, still playing, if not for David Pryor at this point. And I want to compare David Pryor to two people real fast in the Mid-Pen Conference. Um, I had the pleasure of speaking with David after their win on Saturday. And he's very humble and soft-spoken, just like we talked about Dylan Wakefield being. However, he's very undersized and a scrappy type of player. You know who that reminded me of? Marcel McDaniels, I mean, a kid that just has the heart of a line and doesn't fear or back down from anyone. Like you said, David started the game off with a fumble and set up the lone Catholic for an easy touchdown. And then he fumbles again on the next drive, but, you know, recovers the ball. I think it was Ja'Kai Noss that recovered the ball. But, you know, went on to score two touchdowns, had an interception that game, was just all over the field. And when you talk to him, he's like, you know, I've worked for this. This is this is means a lot to me and my team. And, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes for us to win. So shout out to him. So, overall, just looking at the, you know, the coaches' picks for the capital, I think a lot of them were, were, were spot on. There were some tough decisions there at the MVPs. Got to pick one on each side, I think. But, you know, overall, I think it's a, it's a pretty good-looking squad there. Um, they took two quarterbacks on the second team, too, maybe. Colin Lundy and Ethan Eisenberg. Both of them had great seasons. Lundy helped lead bowling sprints. Eisenberg really came on as a passer. I said, coaches, come on, guys. You can't run two quarterbacks out there at the same time if you're going to run a mile or two. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. 
Mm. Let's just pick one of those guys. And both of them had a great season. They definitely did. Great season. And, and so. shout out to Coach Sinkovich and Big Spring on that season. You know, Coach Joe Sinkovich was a pleasure to talk to. I, the first time I talked to him was against, you know, their their uh, season opening loss to Shippensburg in the Little Brown Jug Classic game that they played up there. But, you know, he, he's a coach that definitely believes in his guys. Watching him post-game, um, having them out on the knee, on a knee on, at the field, you know, just how he talked to them and, you know, broke it down one last time with the seniors and consoled them while they were down and teary-eyed and things of that sort. You, you can tell he means the world to those kids, and they mean the world to him as well. So shout-out to Coach Joe. Big Pen Keystone, never. let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, we only got about 30 minutes on these things, guys, so we got to try to keep it moving. <laughs> uh, MVPs, offensive MVP for Milton Hershey. They, the coaches took uh, Deion Bryant, running back, yeah. um, and Ryan Russo, linebacker from Bishop Devitt. Uh, what do you think about those guys, Nip? Let's start with uh, that running back from Milton Hershey, man, Deion Bryant. He's been a dog all season long. I think he led the entire conference in rushing yards, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Deion is someone who just gets the spark going for his team, you know. He, he runs east to west, north to south, however you want it, he's going to give it to you. And I think, what if I'm not mistaken, he had 1,900 rushing yards, um, just definitely toyed with defenses and secondaries throughout the entire season, and it was a pleasure to watch him. He had some monster games. I mean, his last game against uh, 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 Redland, he went for almost 500 yards and like seven touchdowns. That's great. Uh, and, you know, and that's a kid who did not get to play football last year because Milton Hershey opted out for uh, COVID-19, uh, you know, but I will say this, when I look across all these divisions um, in, in, their, in the coaches' picks from each division, I'll say that this running back position in the Keystone might have been the toughest, you know, to pick. And I will credit them. Hey, they didn't pick four here, guys. They picked two. Um, the other running back, the first team running back was Marquise Williams. Uh, position yeah. He's had a big beginning. But I will say, it's very difficult for me to read Jonte Morris yeah. off of the first team. Jonte Morris goes second team running back. Um, man, it's tough, you know. And again, all three of those. You know, and to be honest, the other second team running back, Jacob Kaufman. And you say, look up the value that he had to Lower Dolphin, who didn't win a game last year, and they made the playoffs. Shout uh, out so to he had a great really. season too. Yeah. yeah, but I would say, you know, yeah. out of those three, man, Deion Bryant, Marquise Williams, Jonte Morris, really, really tough. Um, you know, I look if Jonte Mars keeps running for 200 yards and Cedar Cliffs wins a few more playoff games, we might have to talk about him in, in the offensive player of the year discussion for the whole Michigan. Jonte was really pivotal in that that win against Shippensburg, man. Um, but you know, Jonte's story is the most unique and interesting one to me only because he came off of that knee injury from the year before. You know, I met Jonte for the first time when you sent me out to a scrimmage when they that they had against East Pensboro before the opening week of high school football. Jonte was almost neck and neck with Dion the entire season in terms of rushing yards. I believe he has a little over 1,700 rushing yards. And then Marquise is a younger guy. He's a sophomore uh, with about 12 to 1,300 rushing yards on the season. But Jonte can play on both sides of the ball, which I feel like makes him the most unique of the three. You know, he's the most versatile, in my opinion. And he's a great guy. You know, he doesn't back down from anything and big on production. So without, you know, Jonte, Cedarcliff doesn't make it as far as they made it this season. So, yeah, I think it's just really tough to, to pick those guys. I give the coaches credit for going with two guys there on the first team, two guys on the second. Yeah. I will, like I said, I'll be interested to see, you know, 
how Mar, you know, Marquise, you know, Deion De- De- Bryant is certainly deserving of the offensive MVP at this point. But I think, you know, when we look at the final final, when we do our, our all-stars, right, Nebby? Yeah. A lot could be determined by what Marquise and Bishop McDevitt do down the stretch and what John K. Morris and Cedar Cliff can do here in, in the rest of the postseason. Uh, so, very interesting position with running backs there. The quarterback on that team I want to mention, too. We're going to come back to defense around Russo and those guys real quick. But the quarterback pick on there was Stone Saunders. And, again, that's a freshman we've talked a lot about. Got a Maryland and Michigan offer as a freshman. Threw for over 2,000 yards. 34 touchdowns, one interception. Maybe I talked to Jeff Wechter. He said the thing about the one interception, that was back on that October 29th where it just poured. And he said it was just a situation where it wasn't a bad read. He had the guy, and the ball just slipped out of his hand. So the kid probably shouldn't even have thrown an interception as a freshman. He's played a lot of games where he only played the first half. Yeah. Um, and he's another guy who I think is kind of sneaky in that mix. When we do our Penn Live All-Stars and we look at offensive players of the year, if Stones, you know, Bishop McDevitt really is the title contender we think they are in 4A and they make a run and Stone Saunders has some big games, I think we got to talk about him too as maybe our offensive MVP for the entire mid pen You make a great case on that. Um, up until you brought up Stone, I would say it'd be Dion hands down from Mount Hershey. But Stone, like you said, is on this first team for the the Keystone, rightfully so. He's proved himself all season long. Like you mentioned, um, key point, a lot of the wins they had, he only played the first two quarters of the game. So to be that young and to understand the game that well and to have such an high, such a high IQ very early on says a lot about him, you know. He stays at Bishop McDevitt all four years. They're a powerhouse school for the next three, four years to come. So shout out to him. So Deion Bryant certainly a deserving pick offensive MVP there. We have the luxury of being able to wait until we're going to drop our uh, all-star team. That'd be Christmas Eve, actually, this year. We usually drop it on Christmas. Uh, it may be Christmas, but I think Christmas is on a Saturday. Um, so we have the luxury to wait after the season. You know, Deion is definitely in the mix. You've got four guys right there in the Keystone who are in the mix for our Penn Live offers a player of the year, depending yeah. on what Marquise Stone Saunders do on the stretch, depending on what Jonte Marsh does the rest of the way. Pretty interesting there. Definitely. And then just wanted to mention, uh, the only the only other really guy I really want to talk about here was Ryan Russo. Yeah. Uh, McDevitt has, uh, you know, I've talked to a couple coaches who've looked at McDevitt and stuff, and, you know, McDevitt has a bunch of college guys, a bunch of guys who've got college offers in that rush, and a lot of them say, hey, the Russo kid is the best player on their defense. And, yeah. uh, and, and he's had, he had some big tackle numbers, and they've shut down some teams. Um, so, you know, I think he's certainly a deserving pick there. Yeah, shout out to Ryan Russo and Riley Robel out of McDevitt. They they were the most productive, in my opinion, on the defensive side of the ball all year long. Um, speaking of Ryan alone, he had 70-plus tackles and 12 of those for loss. So definitely played an extremely pivotal uh, position on that Bishop McDevitt secondary. Let's move it out. Let's move, let's keep it moving real quick. Let's go to the Colonial. All right. Uh, defensive MVP, Anthony Smith from Shippensburg. Offensive MVP was Aiden Mencia, the running back from Waynesboro. We'll start with the big man. I know you saw him play a lot. He actually texted me today. Um, you know, 6'7", 250-pounder, Anthony Smith, who's committed to Minnesota. Shippensburg went 11-1. He was a big key player on that on both sides of the ball. Um, but he texted me today, hey, with his stats. He always updates me on the stats. And, you know, Anthony's a straight shooter, so hopefully he wasn't pumping them stats up a little bit, Anthony. But he <laughs> said 16 sacks, 75 tackles, Nevy. You saw the guy. He got it done at tight end, too. What, what did you think about this guy? And I think he was 
the clear-cut defensive MVP, probably the overall MVP of, of the Colonial. Yeah, the Colonial, yeah, I agree. Definitely. It's not even a question, in my opinion. Um, the thing I admire the most about Anthony is watching his game, right? The kid knows he's good. You know, he's a bit cocky as well when you do talk to him. But he plays with such heart. You can't, you can't ever deny a player credit whenever they go out there and give you everything they've got night in and night out. And I believe that's what Eric Faust praises him for and loves about him the most. Even in their loss to Cedar Cliff, um, if you watch some of the clips of the game, he kind of threw the flag at the end of the game out of frustration. And to see, you know, a kid had that much passion and drive for the game makes you actually enjoy watching him play all the more. You know, So shout out to him. And, uh, you know, it was a big upset to Cedar Cliff. I kind of compare it to that year when the Patriots went 18-0 and lost to the Super Bowl. It's kind of not the same, but, you know, they, they played great all year long. And to have lost, you know, down the road after anticipating much more for their season was a heartbreak for them. But the kid has a lot of great things ahead of the road for him. There's no shame in losing the Cedar Cliff. That's a that's a really solid team, you know, yeah. with John Pickfars and even Durrell, the Trenton Smith, those guys are really coming on. Yeah. Aiden Mencia, Waynesboro. You know, we haven't covered a ton of Waynesboro this year, no. but they were sneaky good, you know. They they just went along and won some games in, in, in the colonial man and had a good season. And he had a couple games where you go back and you look and they were tough, hard fought games at, at the end. Aiden Mencia scores the game winning touchdown for him. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that pick at all. I think it's probably deserving and good for the coaches to recognize a kid who helped the Waynesboro team really, I think, have a, a pretty good season there. Definitely. And, you know, another team we really didn't get a chance to cover a lot like that was Greencastle. Um, you look at Greencastle, you look at kids like Lorcan Wright and Ethan Shank. You know, they led the mid-pen in tackles all year long. Through nine weeks, I believe it was like 120 tackles that Lorcan had. Ethan was the number two right behind him. They're both on the same team. So for them to be the top two in tackles for the entire season was just incredibly insane to me. And shout out to that Greencastle program, man. Yep, they're a little bit out there for us. And they were a team that didn't make it difficult, you know, for a lot of teams playing them. Uh, two other guys I wanted to mention, or a couple other guys I wanted to mention. First, I'll, I'll go to the linebackers real quick. Sam DeLuca from Mechanicsburg, Calvin Coffin were first team picks by the coaches in the Colonial. Both of those guys were really productive, good players for their team um, and, uh, and, and really came up big on defense. Another kid I wanted to mention was Mason Yon from Northern, made it, uh, you know, as a wide receiver on the first team, I believe. I think he was also the first team kicker. I may be wrong there. Again, they, they chose these kids, Nebby, and I get what they were doing. Um, they put them on, you know, if you – kick if you play defense and offense they would judge you by each position and kind of rank you there you know mason made it a couple times over on this team and but he was a fun guy to watch because you rarely see a kicker and he was a talented kicker um who's also like catching a touchdown or two a game and intercepting a pass you know um and he was doing those things so he was a fun kid to kind of see his stats come in on a friday night and put those in and in that division, a couple more guys I'd like to shout out. Uh, Cole Bartram. Cole Bartram definitely played a heck of a heck of a season on both ends of the ball. Um, one of the games I watched him play, I believe, it was against East Pennsboro. I had the pleasure of actually meeting his family. They were standing right in front of me in the press box, and we talked about the entire game. Cole is one of those underrated kids, but plays a lot bigger than what he is. I think um, he was a second teamer, right? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was, yeah. Mm. Shout out to Cole. Shout out to Cyril Burgos, too, man. Burgos was the speedster for East Pennsboro, you know. Um, I know he probably didn't have the season he anticipated on having in terms of y- rushing yards, but 
you know, Cyril definitely is a pivotal person on that team. Um, and shout out to Irby Weller, too. Without him, Shippensburg doesn't get as many touchdowns as they had. So those are definitely – I think I think Cy did go over 1,000 yards, though, right? He had a couple big games. Yeah, I think he was just short of 1,000, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I know early in the season, too, he had a couple monster games. And oh, yeah. Really, I think through the first four or five weeks, right, he was probably leading the mid-pan of rushing. Oh, yeah. He got banged up a little bit. Not the biggest guy, but like you said, he's a burner. He's a track guy. Yeah. And uh, I think he's a guy that, you know, could potentially get on at, you know, one of these schools and maybe help them a little bit, you know, just from a speed aspect of what he can do. I agree. Uh, two more guys uh, on the, you know, he was a second team pick. Two more guys on the second team real quick. Uh, Marcus Quaker, the young quarterback out of West Perry. Okay. He had some really big games. West Perry, I, you know, I won't lie. Bob Bowden and those guys were better than I thought they would be coming into the year. Mm-hmm. And his running back, Trent Herrera, another young guy, I think he's a junior this year, um, had some really nice games for him. Um, so, uh, you know, those two, I, you know, I really was glad to see the coaches kind of recognize their efforts uh, and get them in there on the second team. Definitely. You want to move on to the Commonwealth? Yeah, let's talk about the Commonwealth, man. That's that's a very interesting division right there. <laughs> so the offensive MVP, you know, at first glance was a little bit of a surprise to me. Okay. Uh, Max Mosey is quarterback for Central Ball. Yeah, that, because that's this was not this was not Max Mosey's most productive season. Mm-hmm. But maybe it was. You know, maybe the numbers don't always tell the story. And he he had some good numbers. Um, I'm sure yeah, you you might have them. Um, I don't. And, have but, uh, I'll get that to yeah. you. Go ahead. But yeah, I know he had some good numbers. You know, but I've seen Max Mosey his best, and and he probably had better numbers. I could yeah. be wrong. Uh, but at the same time, you know what? Central Dolphin probably needed more from him this year than they needed any other year. Yeah. And um, he was asked, I think, to run a little bit more, do some different things. Um, and, uh, you know, he's been a kid that has been really fun to watch, Nevy. You know, he stepped in as a sophomore, helped lead him to a 6A state title game. They don't play in that title game without Max Moses because he showed – a, a sort of uh, coolness, you know, that in and, and, and those big, big games, you know, they went out and beat a, a Downingtown, uh, Downingtown team with Will Howard, who was playing quarterback at K-State um, now. And uh, they don't do it without Max Mose. So, like I said, I think he's probably had better seasons. That sophomore season was probably a little bit better. But at the same time, Maybe he didn't, you know, because Central Dolphin asked a lot of him this year, right? Yeah, I mean, although, yeah, like you said, I, I'd like to agree that he probably has had a better season than the year before. He was still top five this year in the mid-pen. Uh, check those numbers for you. He was had 71 completions for 1,200 yards, mm-hmm. so still very productive for his team. Um, and I Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a great player, and I, I wasn't saying that to knock him. I, yeah. Like I said, at first glance when I saw it, I was like, huh. You know, and because there's, there's some guys in the Commonwealth out of all the divisions, the Commonwealth is sort of the killer in the mid-pen, right, Nebby? Yeah. I was like, huh, because Central Dolphin didn't make the playoffs either. Mm-hmm. Then I said, you know what? Central Dolphin did lean on this kid this year a lot, and he he really, I think, had to make some plays in the clutch form yeah. and to, to put them to be competitive as, as they were. And so I, was, I don't really have a huge problem with that pick at all. I think he, as a career, I think he was a you know career too. I think he's a great player, man. And I will say this, of all the quarterbacks in the Commonwealth, 
Max Mosley is probably your more traditional quarterback in terms of passing the ball. So I feel like that's probably why he made that, you know, that uh, first team all MVP for the Mid-Pen Commonwealth. And rightfully so. You know, the, the Commonwealth has a lot of guards that like to spin out the pocket and, you know, QB, QB keepers and stuff like that. But Max is more so your traditional quarterback. So Your defensive MVP, Terrell Reynolds, defensive man from Harrisburg. He's got like 19 and a half sacks going into the District 368 title game. He scored three or four touchdowns. He's called for another touchdown or two with fumbles and stuff he stripped. To me, that's a no-brainer. I mean, right now, if we were picking our pin lineup, all-star team of, you know, it has all these divisions in it and everything. I think he's our defensive player of the year. Yeah. Has, Had a heck of a season. Heck of a season for Terrell yeah. Reynolds. Hands down. Record-breaking season. Led the, led the mid-pen all divisions all year long in uh, tackles for loss, sacks. Um, his teammate Anthony Day put up great numbers in tackles as well. Anthony Day was top five in tackles uh, behind those two Greencastle juggernauts I told you about. Um, so, yeah, definitely shout out to Harrisburg secondary. But it wasn't just them two, you know. Uh, as, a, as a collective, they had a very strong defensive unit. So I'll let you go ahead and expand upon that. Yeah, I mean, I really like I really like that pick. I mean, I think they probably got both of these right. Again, I think offensively there's a bunch of guys who put up numbers. Don't mind that Max pick at all, especially because when you take the context of his career, what he meant to Central Dolphin. I will say, too, I think there's a really nice offensive line group that the coaches picked in the Commonwealth here. It was tough. I mean, if you look, the second on the second team, Michael Denture from State College is a college prospect. He's got a handful of offers. Mm-hmm. Big, nasty, mean guy. He's a second teamer. Yeah. And probably, you know, you look at that first team, offensive line, it's a good group, man. Tyshawn Black, he was on both sides, defensive both line sides. and offensive line, first pick, mm-hmm. uh, first, first team pick. And if he was – 6'4 instead of 6'1, probably have more schools on board with him. Heck of a player. Cam Livingston might be the best guard in the mid pen. Cam Livingston's problem for college recruiters is he's like six foot and 260. But when it comes to high school football and getting after it and just being a guy when you turn on the film, CDs had that kid pulling out front of runs and just hitting guys. He can move well. You know, he might not meet a lot of schools height weight prototype at the moment but some small schools can come in and get cam livingston and if they stick with him they're going to get themselves a, a football player the kid can play football you get in the trenches get after it kyle yeager uh from central dolphin was also on that first team he's a sacred heart commit the big nasty 6'4 285 guy and roy Irvin, who's probably been the best center in the mid pen uh you know or the commonwealth at least for the past two years uh, from harrisburg he was also on the first and so I really like that offensive line group, Nettie. I do too. And I feel like another notable player on defense out of the Commonwealth to mention is Thaddeus Krebs from CD East. He's been pivotal for them year long, uh, just like Marcel McDaniels was on both sides of the ball. And Makai Flowers, you know, he he definitely is a lockdown defender on any receiver on any given day. Shout out to him. Justin Cook, you know, he he gets uh first team DB and wide receiver from the from divisions coaches on this all-star team. Uh, you know, he had over 40 catches on offense. He did some stuff. Kick returning, man. He, you know, had some big kick returns. And he's still sitting at 10 interceptions. If he gets 11, he's going to tie uh, a 40-something-year-old Harrisburg <laughs> interception record. He's been a big kid across the board uh, yeah. as well. Thomas yeah. Nelson, I wanted to mention him real quick. Now, defensive lineman from Carlisle. Big kid. Uh, Carlisle had an underrated season. They showed up, beat CDE, surprised the people there at the end of the season. And Thomas Nelson was a kid. I watched this film. I felt like he really kind of showed up 
you know, he made first team defensive line. Yeah, definitely. Um, Carlisle, you know, definitely had a great club all year long. Someone who was productive for them was Josh Hargrove. Shout out to them and their program. They definitely had a good season. And I think it was crazy how, you know, Carlisle BCDs, Harrisburg BCDs, and, you know, these teams were back and forth all season long. It was just so fun to watch and very entertaining. So shout out to the Commonwealth, man. One of my def- definitely one of my top divisions to watch year long. A uh, couple more guys. I'm just throwing names out there and running through them, Nebby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kyle Williams Jr. Uh, the first you know, one. when you look at his yeah, when you look at his numbers, he made a first team wide receiver. Uh, is a first team wide receiver pick by the coaches. Mm-hmm. You look at his numbers, he's probably not at the top of any stat court category, like number one. But if you add it all together and say who means the most to their team, might be Kyle Williams Jr. to, to Harrisburg because when they need a big play, he goes and gets. Uh, the running back, she mentioned Marcel McDaniels Jr. earlier from CD East. He was a first-team pick by those coaches. And uh, Makai Hopkins from Harrisburg was also a first-team running back pick. Mm-hmm. Makai's the thumper. He's going to go in there and get those tough, hard run- yards between the tackles. And Masar- or Marcel McDaniels, little guy, Nebby, you talked about it. ton of heart. I know you love to watch him play. It's very scrappy. Yep. Shout out to Makai and Marcel. Definitely gave us a good bump to watch the whole season for the Commonwealth. So I think that's it, Nebby. I think, you know, we just run down. We looked at some things that stood out to us about the coaches' picks. I think for the most part, they were all pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. I like coaches. I like when you when you just – when you get down to it, you just take one guy out of, you know, if you got two. And I understand it's tough. We do it too, and it's tough, tough. And you hate to take any weight, anything away from a kid. But at the same time, uh, you know, I don't think you, you're taking necessarily anything away from them, you know, if they're still an all-star. You know, and and all of these kids who got their names uh, on these first and second teams, especially, uh, you know, good for them. I'm glad that they got it. Um, but uh, again, overall, I think they did a pretty good job here, Ned. What do you think? I definitely agree. You know, uh, definitely think that moving forward, we could do something like the top PA prospects throughout the entire year, maybe for the for the people to listen to. But sort of an update, stay tuned for, you know, district title games coming this weekend and stay tuned for uh, Still High, who's getting ready for the for the state tournament, the new district champs out of uh, single-A football here in uh, the state of Pennsylvania. So we got a lot next of – Next week. Time. Yeah, next week. Next week we're going to talk about some of these top guys in, in the Pennsylvania, man, who we, who we think might be the player of the year. Yeah, definitely. We're going to talk about that. We'll be back, so – Stay tuned, folks, and we'll, we'll definitely keep all the good content coming for you. Brian, that wraps up the 12th week episode of our PA High School Football Report podcast. We got a lot of good names out there, a lot of exposure. Shout out to all the coaches who sent in their picks to you. How do you feel? Yeah, I definitely want to just uh, give those guys, you know, a good look at some of those guys maybe we didn't talk about as much as maybe they deserve throughout the season. You know, we, we write a ton of stuff, and there's a ton of kids out there doing a ton of things, so good to kind of look back at the seasons they had, look at what, who, what the coaches picked, what they were thinking, uh, you know, when, when they're top, when it comes to their top guys in their divisions. And like I said, we're going to have our own team come out. We have the luxury of waiting to the, to the end of the season. And so we still got some things that we can figure out and see how they're going there, Nebby. Yeah, we got this, the Christmas special coming up, like you said. And in the upcoming week, we'll probably talk about the, the PA High School uh, well, the PA stars actually of high school football, you know, overall first team, overall MVP. I think that'll be interesting. We have a lot of, you know, good candidates out there. Yeah, we'll look at who I think next week we're going to look at maybe who some of the player of the year 
candidates are for uh, for all of Pennsylvania. And the other thing I wanted to say, Nebby, is Friday night really something a little cool on Twitter. Uh, you know, Twitter now has these Twitter spaces. After the game, uh, Friday night, after, you know, when you go out to the game, you guys listen to this. Uh, we're going to have a little high school football scoreboard show for the state. We're going to run out statewide scores and you know, maybe talk to a few reporters about the games they were at and the highlights and stuff like that. That's all on Twitter. You can find me at Sports by B. Linder. Um, and, you know, follow Nebby there on Twitter, too. But you can find that. It's pinned to the top of my page. Friday night, 10.05, we're going to be talking football, running down the scores from around the state and, and kind of getting some highlights from the game. So be sure to check that out and, and, and hop in and talk some football with us. And like we say every single week, that wraps up the episode. But tune in to PennLive.com and subscribe for all of our exclusive content. See you next week, folks.